The clock struck 5am and there I was, sitting along on my bed, suddenly woken, not by my alarm, not by a strange noise, but by a sudden haunch. A haunch to do what exactly? I asked myself. My mind felt blank for a few moments. Then it began in a flash, a sudden influx of random and odd thoughts. Hold on. Is this... Is this it again? The usual panic attack. A panic attack at 5am? It decided to come at 5am. Who exactly have I wronged? What did I do? Where are they? I am willing to pay them off. For the first time in 15 years, I began to shed tears. The last time I cried was at the funeral of a very good friend. I wept bitterly because I was tired. I was tired of the panic attacks, tired of the fact I have to live this way, but I gracefully walked the office floors in authority and strength like I owned the world. I did own part of the business. It grew worse. The uncertainty, the frequent gasps for air, the restlessness, home, home. I want to go home. I yelled to myself as I scattered my beddings and clenching my fists deep into my pillow, home, home. I thought as I restlessly grabbed my phone, logging into my travel app and booked the next flight available to Lagos. As I completed this act, I began to feel a sudden ease, a tiny wave of chilled breeze on my feet until it spread into my legs and finally my upper body, cold, cold, I am cold. I screamed. I screamed as I leapt up out of my roughened bed into the shower. As the thought of warm water on my supposedly cold body began to calm me down, just then did I realize the extent of what I'd just done. Looking at myself in the mirror, thinking of my actions, only did it just sink in that I was homesick and was truly going home. I can't turn back now. I've booked the flights. Should I call the office? No. No. My Instagram posts will update them about my whereabouts. I'm going home and I don't need to ask, apologize for or beg for it. One would expect me to feel elated about the journey but I felt mixed feelings. It has all changed the people, the surroundings, the place. From what I hear, home is now hostile, unwelcoming and not a home. I slowly packed a duffel bag and a small luggage, filled them with new white t-shirts, a few five pair of blue shorts, a pair of boat shoes, a pair of Nikes, my wash bag, a camera, Teju calls known and strange things, one checkbook, one bank card and a mosquito net I had purchased from a roadside vendor while roaming around Brixton a few years ago. Yes, I kept it. I knew this day would come. I turned off my work phones, removed the SIM cards and neatly placed them on my bed. Cab, please. I gently spoke into my auxiliary mobile phone. Where to? The man at the other end of the receiver asked. Heathrow, I replied. That will be £65. 
Yes, fine. Send a driver. As I sat on one of the chairs in my living room, expecting the driver, like an athlete, I began to prepare myself mentally for the journey. Is this even necessary? I mean, this is supposed to be a Joe food trip, right? Where you get to see some relatives and all sorts? I asked myself. I focused my attention to the background music, Homobo by Basa Basa, which I had intentionally put on repeat while packing to get me in the mood. Whatever the mood meant. Pondering on the lyrics of the song, I thought to myself, how did you get here? Interrupted by the cab driver's phone call, I hurled the duffel bag across my back, lifted the suitcase and gave the living room one last look to ensure everything was in its right place. Ileya, home time, I said to myself and walked out of the house with my unbranded sunglasses on at 7.23am. It was my fifth day back to my roots, Ondo State, Nigeria. An escape from grey skies, monotony and the dismal British weather, to blue skies, palm fronds, gentle calm breezes, beautiful sunset and nature's rhythmic sounds. I have not been home in 25 years and it was having a massive effect on me physically, spiritually and psychologically. As I took a stroll back to my hut, which was adjacent to my cousins, I began to ponder if the journey back to my village was either futile or a premeditated act by unknown supernatural forces that may be at play. What makes a grown man get up at 5am on a Monday morning and thoughtlessly book a flight from London to Nigeria? All because of a sudden hunch to come home? Travelling from coziness and comfort to lay in a cocoon of darkness and mosquitoes is not what an individual in his or her right mind would do. Although, I was happy that I avoided the rush hour madness that London has to offer on a Monday morning. A break from coffee, black cabs, tailored suits, serious hegemonic faces and fast paces, I considered that moment in time to be a luxury. The soothing and alluring aroma of pounded yam, vegetable soup mixed with prawns, crayfish, bushmeat beef and stockfish interrupted my train of thought. The sight and smell of this palatable dish replaced my pondering with nostalgic memories from my childhood. It redirected my steps from my hut towards the large open space where some beautiful women dressed in colourful aso oke gracefully wielding the odo and dished the food like goddesses of an ancient times as told by myth. This act was simultaneously accompanied by some sort of singing similar to Negro spirituals. As they sang, they made rhythms and beats with their wooden serving spoons and calabashes, creating sounds and music that seemed to tell stories of their lives past, experiences and aspirations. It was 6pm. The sun had begun to set, and it shone brightly on their sweaty dark skins revealing its aesthetic texture and glory. The scene was a phenomenal sight to behold, an integration of ancient music, art and craft. It would have probably made God smile. As nighttime began to draw near, the darkness grew stronger. 
The men began to pile up woods and sticks in front of a large hut in preparation for a campfire. The kids set up tree stumps in circular formations and placed feathers and animal skins on them for sitting comfort. The actions unfolding before my eyes were bizarre and unnatural. I glanced at my watch. It was 8pm African time. By now, I would have probably been tucked into bed in my penthouse in London, sleeping off the stress and weariness of the stock exchange. My cousin, Bami, an Oxford graduate who visited home frequently, was accustomed to the lifestyle and culture. She noticed my anxiety and uneasiness. Staring at the contraption of yours won't make a difference. Here we tell time by seasons and constellations, she remarked. Gazing at her oval face and thin lips in awe as they moved, I began to wonder if the construct of her statement was due to logic or dementia. Who calls a Rolex a contraption, I thought. Tell him, auntie, Bami continued, alluding to a woman opposite me, whom I assumed is a distant relative. I had not noticed her present until now. I bowed my head and muttered the vague words, yes ma, in respect. Although that was not the appropriate form of salutation, she responded with a smile knowing I was long lost family. I was supposed to prostrate fully with both hands on the floor and remain static in that position until I was told to get up. Aunt Koye led Bami and I towards the large space in front of the hut. The fire had been lit. It began to burn brightly and intensely. It was so bright that it seemed to mysteriously change the atmosphere of open space we were in. It created beautiful colour schemes of orange, blue, black and yellow. Everyone's face was recognisable. Their patterned traditional attire glowed exquisitely and blended perfectly well with the environment. The calm breeze, tweeting birds, creaking trees and the water from the nearby stream delivered captivating sounds. It would have made one assume that the whole setting was prepared in expectation of a divine visitor. The decorated calabashes and gourds in which food and palm wine were served shone brightly as if they had been excellently polished by a professional concierge. The warmth from the fire had begun to engulf my body and soul. A smile emerged from the left side of my face and I felt euphoria and peace. As we took our seats with other members of our family, few members of my clan and other strangers from the community to commence the feast, silence began to set in until it were totally silent. No cries, no hums, no movement. 